Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Full Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that didn't have to hand down a budget this week. I am Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. Let me see from strawman.com. He's the founder. He's the managing director. And as I like to say, he's the chief cook and bottle washer. He's not the only man there, but he is the only one who does the cooking and the bottle washing. So uh, Andrew is uh, is aptly described. I, I want to see a business card, Ram, from you with chief cook and bottle washer <laughs> on it. Can I, can I get that out of you? I probably should. I, I've, I've said to you before, I've, I've never, like every job you have, you get issued a box of business yeah. cards. I don't think, I think I've probably got about eight boxes around yep. somewhere. I've probably yep. only ever handed out four in my entire life. <laughs> I've been at the Motley um, Fool now for the best part of 11 years. I still have half of the original box I first got made up for me with like a title that was like three titles ago and we just haven't bothered to replace it because, you know, why bother? <laughs> I, um, I was asked for a business card for the first time the other day and I thought, oh. if someone asks for one, it's like, I think, should I have them then? Because if you if you ask for one, like, you know, most people don't, but if you ask one, it's like, no, nah, I don't have a business card. It's like, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Should I have a business yeah. card? No. Nah. No? Maybe maybe if you're if you're if you're exclusively having meetings with people over sixty, then that maybe that'll that'll help. You put your fax number on there and your Mate, page. Um, yeah. you, you hate our audience, do you? Uh, no, I, we've got a very young and sophisticated audience, but and 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 those that uh, are, are of that. That's how you hear is Andrew backpedaling very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, uh, I know you wouldn't have a business card because Strawman is an online-only business, and there's no point yep. handing out a digital business card uh, no. unless you were trying to describe what Strawman.com does. And I can't remember. See, this is the, this is a good thing about a, a domain. It's it's, it's Strawman.com. Mm. No AU. You right. go there, and it'll tell you everything well, that you need to know. Yes. That's my business card. You're going to keep me in suspenders, are you? are not going to tell me what I will. Strawman. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I right, will. Fair enough. You'll have to look it up yourself. Strawman.com. I don't know what it does. Um, I did have, mate, an interesting... Let's start with a tangent, because that's what we do. An interesting yep. discussion on uh, on Facebook during the week. Uh, I posted an article about the tax <laughs> it's always, stuff. It's always an interesting discussion yeah, on exactly. Facebook. No, I, I, so I, I, write a, I write a regular email for, for Motley Fool listeners, uh, listeners, for readers and members. So both, if you're on our mailing list or you're a member, uh, you get an email from me two or three times a week, occasionally four if I'm really feeling ranty and want more to say. Because, uh, you know, two podcast episodes, uh, the good oil, uh, and just a couple of emails a week is not quite enough sometimes. Sometimes I just need to get a little bit more out. You, and, are, the, uh, you are the opposite of cancelled, sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Platforms unplayed. Forms. <laughs> I'm middle-aged white and male, mate. I'm, I'm almost cancelled, uh, as, as we know. Um, the, uh, the, yes, no, platforms on platforms. And I had an interesting conversation about what I would do with tax. And someone said, Scott Phillips for PM. And someone else suggested you should be the treasurer. Uh, oh, and I, I said, I'm not sure about that. He replied, well, we want someone with conviction. I said, yes, but not that sort of conviction about those sort of policies. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did mention that maybe you might push for Bitcoin to become legal tender in the country. And so, I, you know, there's, there's, there's limits. I, I, I like you a lot, mate. I'm glad we do this podcast together. I'm not sure I'm ready to have you as my treasurer. I, you know, like I, 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 we talk about it. There's, there's always room. There's always, it's a, it's a big tent. It's a yeah. large tent. Uh, good thing you know. is the good thing is it'll happen eventually anyway. So you don't, <laughs> don't need me to advocate for it. <laughs> and someone did post then a gif of uh, of the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz and said, if this <laughs> is rare. "So that was uh, just uh, that." Bring you back to strawman.com for, for a second. So yes, hey, wait um, a sec. He didn't have a brain, right? 
Okay, let's just let that hang there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's not great on podcast. When you do it, gee, it works. People go, what, what happened there? Uh, yes, I, look, I couldn't possibly comment. Mate, uh, yes, uh, while we're here, while we're here, let's do this early. Uh, we got mm-hmm. a mailbag episode on Sunday. We have got mailbag episode next Sunday and the Sunday after that. And we mm-hmm. mostly, well, we only have that episode when there's enough questions to answer. If you guys stop asking us questions, then we just, you know, error I'll, we'll probably... T- We'll probably we talk anyway. We'll Sunday just, off. I don't know. You, you know, I can't help ourselves. We talk about something and then we just wouldn't record it or something. But uh, <laughs> yes, hit us up on the socials. Info at fool.com.au if you want to email us a question. Uh, for those people over 60 who don't uh, love, you know, not having business cards, I might still accept, okay to accept your emails. Andrew, maybe not, but I will. Uh, also, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Andrew is exclusively. Are you going to be exclusive on Twitter when Elon takes over? I'm kind of... I don't know what to, I just don't know what to make of it. I yeah, think it's either going to be super exciting or a little bit scary. I don't know, yeah. but I'm, yeah, I'm going I'm to stick with it. I'm going to stick right. with it. Here's, here's the power. Here is the just the awesome power of network effects. Mm. Is that uh, yeah. I guarantee you that Twitter will continue to keep on because mm-hmm. you know that's that's pe- people who are on there that have any kind of following get any kind of traction. Well, that's that's where their audience is. That's where they're going to stay. And totally. those that are there for, for the content will will have to stay there because that's where everyone else is. It's beautiful. Beautiful when as a as a phenomena. So do go and join that aforementioned network. Uh, Andrew is at Sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Invest. You can be on the Twitter or the Instagram at TMF Scott P or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of fun stuff. And have a, come and have a chat. But more importantly, well, not for this purpose anyway, ask us your questions. Send your questions to us on any of those platforms. We will happily uh, deal with those questions and, and uh, answer them for you in our mailbag episodes. Mate, um, massive week this week. Massive week of yeah. macro, macro, macro. And you know, it, I, <laughs> I, we've said before, the, the older I get, the less absolute I get about everything in life, um, mm-hmm. which is one of those things about- Sign, that sign that of wisdom. But thank you. I, I'll take that. I, that or just getting sent oil in my old age and my dotage. But <laughs> um, I used to be really absolute about a whole lot of stuff, particularly about investing. And it was one of those things. And look, I still think it's true. You know, the old quote of if you spend 15 minutes thinking about the macro, you've wasted 10 minutes, that kind of, you mm-hmm. know. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. an attractive line and it matters. And yeah. I think I think it's, I, I'm going to say I still agree with that. With the exception that sometimes it is the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> that sometimes yeah. stuff is just weird. Uh, and this week we had two massive, massive bits of, macro stuff going we had a budget and then we had literally the day after the cpi i don't know why a government does a budget the day before the inflation numbers come out it's like the rba meeting the day before gdp numbers come out it's like guys do it on a thursday you know at least get the information for for before you make those decisions um big budget this week i'm going to give i've given it publicly a seven seven and a half out of ten a nip and tuck budget i've called it um mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a it was a good budget for the times yeah, in the sense that uh, Treasurer Chalmers had to deal with the economic circumstance in which we find ourselves. He couldn't either be, do or be seen to do anything that was going to make inflation worse. And so, it well, meant, he, oh, he had the experience of uh, um, the UK, right? To, 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 you know, I'm sure that was very, very much front oh, of mind. It? And every time, every time someone who's off said, "Hey, Jim, we should spend money on this," is like. Dude, have you seen this trust? No. Seriously, I, I, I'm not yeah. going to be your quasi quoting for for anything. I, no. I want to I have this job more than a month, so I'm going to I'm going to yeah. do the right thing. Yeah. So look, it was just interesting. It was oh, man, such a such a contrast to the last federal budget, and it was one of those. I just it, it was remar- there was so little to actually announce. There was mm. kind of this narrative speech. 
You know, Josh Frydenberg's last one was, Mr. Speaker, we know Australians are doing it tough, so we're going to unveil this. We're going to spend that. We're going to spend that. We're going to spend that. We're going to do this. We're going to spend that. And it was this real laundry list of, you know, tick box. Um, and, you know, we, the budget speech, I love it for, for the finance. I love it for the democracy, but I hate it for the politics. And, and they're, they're political, stock, political statements. But it was just remarkable that Jim Chalmers couldn't announce much. There was, he kind of had, you know, those, those two or three, you know, paid parental leave, childcare. We'll talk about those in a sec. Um, but this wasn't much else to announce. So he kind of just, it was, a, it was more a narrative kind of speech about the sort of things he would like to do and the sort of reasons he'd like to do them uh, rather yeah. than the usual treasurer's speech, which is just, you know, money thrown out for everybody. He didn't have much choice. But uh, so he's in there. I think seven and a half out of 10 is about right. It would have things I would have done differently. But I hard to say it wasn't the right budget for the times. Um, managed to make some changes where they did do spending. It wasn't inflationary spending. It was largely spent on things that are going to you know, have more of a social or economic outcome rather than more spending in the economy. So I thought that was that was probably positive overall. Uh, they delivered on some budget promises, election promises they had to do. So that was the other thing. This is it was almost a mini budget. I mean, they could have done this as a as a as a press release, right? There was that little in there. It's like, yep, we're going to do the things we said we do in the election. Uh, otherwise, things are pretty tough. See you next time. Uh, yeah. Did you have a take from take away from the budget? Broadly, yeah, no, really I, I thought. Uh, I think I, it's easy to get into the weeds. I guess a couple high-level thoughts mm, is, mm. I mean, just a pet peeve of mine is that <laughs> 99% of media coverage tends to be sticking a microphone in someone's face who then tells you how it directly, impersonally impacts yeah, them. Yeah. And, like, we are all <laughs> we are all basing, judging merits of, or otherwise of this on how it impacts me personally. And, yeah. of course, this is the nation's budget. It's, there's going to be mm. compromise. It's got to be... It's got to be the bigger picture kind of stuff. So I, I feel as though it would be more. <clears throat> it'd be nicer to have a more mature conversation yeah, coverage of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's obviously obviously I we all natural for us to want to have our own situation improve, but mm-hmm. but sometimes you got to think for the greater good. It's been my my little hot take. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was. I thought he was pretty good in in mm. giving us you know um, some hard truths. A GDP growth forecast to halve between now and 2024. Was, yeah, you know, unemployment yep. to rise. Mm-hmm. Um, they're under no illusions. They're, they're and at the same time, the def- deficit's increasing. Mm. Um, so these are all real challenges. Uh, the, the problem is, and I know you've said this before as well, is that it, it is this tinkering because there are there are big structural questions um, mm-hmm. at the heart of this that really need to be changed mm-hmm. and are going to be hard, hard decisions to make and yep. popular, unpopular for a, for a lot of people as well. But it, it, it kind of has to be done. Not not that there's a burning platform that it has to be done now. Actually, with, despite all the doom and gloom, Australia's net debt to GDP is 29%. Yeah. Um, that's actually very low. On mm-hmm. oh, The US is like 120, I think, yeah. 130%. Yeah. Europe's like through the roof. And generally speaking, historically, mm-hmm. once you get above 100% on that metric, it doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. In most cases, mm-hmm. statistically, like, you know, like it's like almost every company, <laughs> a country rather that has hit that has has had very dire consequences. So yeah. we're, we're in a really fortunate position. Um, so I'd like to see us sort of, uh, in a way to have those big aspirational sort of goals to sort of set some north stars is probably good to lead us back to a a more sustainable path mm-hmm. um so that was good um yeah i yeah it's probably that's probably the extent of my take yeah i think without that's... getting into some of the specifics <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that's right I, I will i will very quickly just touch on a couple of specifics um so paid parental leave being extended i think it's just sensible um I, I think we can hopefully all agree that uh 
new parents having more time at home with the kid is, is, is a good thing. Um, it'll cost some money, but it seems like, again, it's not inflationary. It's like replacing your wage with a, you know, with, with, a, with, a, with a government payment. So they're kind of, you know, one for one. Uh, I thought the early childhood education thing was a good thing. Um, more places and more money being spent on them just means more people can be in the workforce if they choose to. I think that's also a good thing. I have said before <clears throat> pretty clearly, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> big on uh, being the, the sort of uh, finance guy that all finance guys are supposed to be, nor are you. Uh, I, I do think we should just stop thinking about working parents, uh, men or women, as economic units. You know, oh, good, mm-hmm. they can leave the kid in childcare and get back to work. So, uh, I mean, if they want Gosh. to, I, I love the option, right? But the, the idea that, that societally, it's a really good thing that we have to say, you know what, we should really, really push people back to the workforce. That, that'd be great. Uh, oh, I, mean, I, I so agree. It's just this yeah. idea, I, I always say it, This I, everyone talks about the economy as mm. it's this mm. separate thing that's all important. You know, it's sort of, we're the economy, <laughs> it's people, right? Mm-hmm. It's there to kind of serve us. It's sort of a measure of how we interact. It's sort of, it drives me, it, it drives me absolutely bonkers. One other quick point before, mm. sorry to interrupt, but, but the, the, there is, I think, a <clears throat> huge irony mm. in this um, choice of going, of, of going to work if you want for both parents. Mm. Man, man or woman, husband or wife or whatever partner of other partner is, is that it's actually becoming less and less of a choice. Mm. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably not to go into, to segue into something which we probably don't want to, but, not, but it is, I think it's probably related to just like the, the affordability of housing. Oh, it's sort of, if, you wanna, if you want to buy a house, yeah. uh, you, you are competing against other people who will both be wanting to work, who therefore the household income is higher, who therefore can afford a bigger mortgage, who therefore will push price up. So we've, got, we've gotten into a bit of a spiral here, a self-referential loop where it's actually, you, you don't really have much of a choice, <laughs> which, which as I say, is, is the biggest irony of all. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that uh, I've said that, I, I said that about house prices broadly. I, I know, you know you're trying to avoid house prices, which I appreciate. Um, but it was also to, to my, um, uh, the, the great, the great, achievement of feminism of bringing women closer to equality i'm not gonna say we've got equality we don't bring women closer to equality was supposed to be you know women can do anything they can have a choice and then as a society we kind of then meant so the choice is now taken away from you, you now have to work because house prices went up and you can't afford to buy a house without one <laughs> and so you go from yep. this idea of like you know let, let's let's liberate women to do whatever they want through to let's enslave women in, in, in the, like, like blokes were you know in theory we should have said great two two potential incomes uh, let's let's actually you know both work part time or let's you know both work full time or you know whatever whatever choice you want to have but the choice to be you know made by the people uh, hopefully who are who are doing that rather than feel like well we don't really have a choice if we want to buy a house in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane we kind of both have to work so I guess we're off to work uh, and, yes, it, and is you know and well another another well perhaps a lesson of that is because I think the again going going back to a, a previous era where it was traditional for the for the man to go to work and, and the, the woman to stay at home raising the kids is that it just wasn't valued previously there wasn't the economic value of someone staying home raising the kids doing all this stuff what wasn't seen and now, now that everyone is forced to work it's kind of like oh yeah we have to spend billions on childcare and all this because yeah. it's yeah, really exactly. Exactly. it's that's how important it is and again i i, I think i got to be really careful here because there's a lot of landmines around i think it's a wonderful <laughs> thing that 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 
things are more equal, 100%. not fully equal, but but 100%. more equal. Yep. But it's just that there are certain ironies in in all of that. Correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Point. I want to be really, really clear. I'm not saying that liberation or equality was the wrong thing. It's the fact that no, we as a society. That, and no, and by the way, society there was no conspiracy. Just the way that the way that things work in society, we kind of went, "Hey, you got some extra money? We could use that to pay more for a different house if we wanted to." And the other guy said, "Well, I'll do that." And the other guy said, "I'll do that." And the other guy said, "I'll do that." And all of a sudden, we all did, and then that's how price prices go up. Uh, so yep. just 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 that as a as a general as a general thought. Um, back to that though, the only thing I would say, I, this is a massive bugbear in mind. It's not even finance related slightly, but I'm going to do it because I got the bully pulpit and I'm going to bloody use it. Um, <laughs> is I'm I, I'm glad we're talking about early childhood education, not just childcare. And I use the word childcare deliberately before as a bit of a pejorative of you know chuck kids in a childcare and go to work. Um, early childhood education is so incredibly valuable. Um, the the things that kids learn. I think I've given a shout out before, but if I haven't, Thrive by Five is a program uh, run by Jay Weatherall, the ex-South Australian Prime Minister, um, funded by Twiggy's Mindaroo Foundation for what it's worth. Not that that matters, but just uh, it's pretty cool he's doing some of this stuff. Um, the the opportunity and the disadvantage that's kind of built in before kids get to five is phenomenal, and it very rarely gets undone. And if you can, um, you know, if, if we can as a society help kids, you know, it's, we talk about kids as if they're, you know, property of their parents. Um, I think I think the, the very least of society we owe our children is a fair, reasonable start in life. Uh, and that that the evidence is pretty clear that happens before five. You know, pr- primary school's good, but it's too late. If there are dis- disadvantage built in or, or learning difficulties or issues or, or just simply to start low, you know, low reading, uh, low vocabulary, those things don't tend to go away over time. So um, the value of early childhood education specifically, whether you have educators who are designing programs and teaching kids through play, it should be school, but teaching them through play, I think is, is spectacularly important. Um, it is the very first thing I would fund in any budget, quite honestly, uh, is, mm. is appropriate amounts of early childhood education. Not so women can go to work, not so blacks can go to work, um, so kids can get the best start in life. I just think it's a, it, it, it's a no-brainer for me. I'll extend that too, and I know it's a point I often make, but mm. I, and it's a small one, but probably an important one. We talk about things costing money, mm-hmm. and I think in some, when you look at the budget, <laughs> there are things that cost money, mm. but there are other things that I would just reframe it slightly and say, no, that's an investment. So yeah, money is going out the door, but an, I would define an investment as, as as one where you expect more to come back in the future. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just giving you a, a stimulus check because I just I feel as though that that's just going to help you and make yep. you happy yep. and vote yep. for me. That's a one-off sugar hit, and that's nice. And okay, we can probably talk about multiplier effects and the rest mm-hmm. of it. But generally speaking, there's not. It's not. A, it'd be hard to call it an investment. Yeah. Whereas if you if you put the same dollar for dollar out there on a bridge or a road <laughs> or yeah. uh, you know yeah. something that that actually will generate huge economic value down the track, that's a different thing. Correct. And and uh, so yeah, there's. It shouldn't always just be spoken of in how much money have we spent, have we allocated. I, I'm far more interested in in how we have invested that money, mm-hmm. and where there. And this is just investment 101. Wherever there is a positive and attractive return on investment capital, really, as long as there's fiscal c- capability, we should be throwing as much as humanly possible at that. Yep, correct. And that, to your point, that's a early education. Education, full stop is a wonderful example of that because yep. we can put a bunch of money out the door now to help a bunch of two, three, four, five-year-olds. And that is not going to help society for another 20 years. Um, but, you know, combined with a really, really good general education system, public education system, dare I say, you would, you would the, the, the return on investment is phenomenal because we just have a, a, a cohort, a demographic of, of highly educated, capable people. What is yep. that going to do for the yep. country? Yep. Right? Insane, insane rates of return. I think that, and that, and that's 
Yeah, I, we, I, I could rant on a tangent on a rant on a tangent, but I won't other than just say I, I completely agree with you. Mm. Um, so that was, uh, that, that were, they were probably the two big ones. This affordable housing thing, I think, is a complete fig leaf. Um, yep. You know, maybe the government does end up using bully pulpits, use the levers of government to make other people do other things. And if they do, I, I'd have no problem with that conceptually. Uh, but pretending this is a government commitment to a million houses is a bit of a, you know, it's like, we're going to lean on super funds and we're going to lean on this and we're going to try and make that. We're going to lean on the states. And I think there's, you know, there's a little bit of money. I mean, a lot of money in absolute dollars, but in the budget sense, bugger all cash from the federal government. And they're, they're announcing a plan for a million homes. I mean, look, you know, it, if they want to and they can and they do, well, that's all fine. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those announcements you get to make when you're, it's like saying, you know, we're going to create this many new jobs. It's like, well, no, the population's going to grow. It's going to happen anyway. Like, you know, there's no, there's no great, you know, so it, the economy's going to grow. Yes that's what it does um you know they're kind of empty promises so i I, you know there may be um justification for it they may even happen uh but you've got to back out what would happened already uh and then look at who's actually doing it because it's not not a government program if you just simply say hey you lot over there you make some houses Uh, and there's 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 that there's devil in the detail there too. I think it was only twenty thousand affordable homes. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And like and like it's really just drops in the ocean. Yep. Um I think letting super in on that is just such a terrible idea. Yeah, um, I agree. The, the, the point, look, the thing is, and, and you will, these institutions will operate according to their mandate, mm-hmm. as they should, yep. which is to preserve and grow um, the capital of their investors. And so yep. they're not going to do anything. In fact, they shouldn't do anything without an attractive mm-hmm. rate of return mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But just by, so so allowing them in to play in this space or encouraging them to, I mean, they're not going, they're not going to do it. Well, they shouldn't, in fact, even do it if there's not going to be a good rate of return. But but this is kind of a problem that is so pernicious that we, we actually need someone, probably the only institution that can do it is government to say that actually we're happy not to make a good return on this because <laughs> there is a huge problem here. And I would, again, frame it in the terms of, of, of investment because- I mean, look at look mm-hmm. at um, some young kid whose um, whose mum was in social housing who then became the prime minister. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. if they were living out of their car, that never would have happened. So there, there are again the, mm-hmm. the, the most important thing you can do, really, for people who are who are struggling is make sure you have a roof over your head. Because if you don't have that, yep. then there's like almost everything else is 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 a waste. So it's yeah. sort of a huge, huge benefits. And people often like frame it as, oh, giving you know stuff for nothing and the rest mm-hmm. of it. But it's just, I think it's a very cynical kind of view on it. So anyway, I agree with you, mate. I think <laughs> I, I was, dis- I, one area of the budget, when I went, saw the headlines, mm-hmm. oh, they're doing a lot more for housing. I thought that is, that is great. But then I think when you pick into it, it's like absolutely bugger all. I, <laughs> we're going to find it at some point. But this is, this is financially relevant, right? My... My biggest bugbear with the housing thing is, I think there's something like eight or nine million houses in Australia, something like that. I think that's roughly the number. Um, building 10% more, 11% more, 12% more is a is an interesting idea. Uh, I am far from convinced that we've done the other work, which is can the natural environment and the built environment handle that change? Uh, does a society want and can it handle that change? Um, even simple things. I have family members who, and I won't name them because I don't get them in trouble, who work in and around urban planning and other things. And some of the developments that are being built now are technically too too much for things like the sewerage system. Like we just literally they're saying that the number of the number of residences we have and the size of the pipes that take our effluent from here to there. It's you know we're asking for trouble. X years down the track when these all get built and people move in. And so I just I, I think 
it's all fine to say that. I don't know what the answer is. I have a feeling it's got to do with sprawl or something. It's probably got to do with density somewhere. I think it's actually got to do with population as well. I don't know how we solve that particular riddle because population has been used for years to keep economic growth going. It you know, kind of maintains the facade of growth. If you have a you know, GDP that's growing by 10%, even if you have 15% more people, um, obviously per person we're going backwards, but it looks better on the, on the numbers. And there's not some value in that, by the way. It's not nothing. Um, but I just, I'm just not sure that building a million houses is the answer without having those other conversations about what can the country stand isn't you know we're always talking about building the raising the warragamba dam wall in, in sydney um other dams being built or not built depending on who's in power around the rest of the country i just it just strikes me that we are heading in one single direction without really having that conversation about what the as i said the built environment the natural environment um and the infrastructure that we already have in place can actually handle i mean you you, you are you are a thousand percent correct um yeah, it's, you, you see these developments go up and they're just, they're right on top of each other. There's not a tree in sight. There's one road out. <laughs> there's, there's you know, they, they don't have the They've schools, got the hospitals. They've as well, by the way. Do you know? It's, and it, I, I, I feel as though, again, maybe I'm being a little bit um, cynical, but it's mm. sort of like the, 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 no one's thought beyond the peripheral mm. and they've, they've allowed sort of the, the fox into their hen house mm. when having these conversations, mm. which is you start talking to developers like, oh, yeah, we can build you a gazillion houses and, mm. yeah, and right. you know, well, for, for what's, what's in our interest to build as much as we can with it, the land that we've got. Mm. You know, we don't make any money by having um, – uh, th- there is much more money to be made with super high density mm. than there is with, with something that might be a bit more nice, mm. um, spread mm. out, that has a lot more facilities around it. We just make less. And so it's, it's kind of – it's very, very, very first order thinking, mm. and uh, yeah, I think we've, we're seeing that in a lot of places too. We're just all the schools are over capacity, yeah. hospitals yeah. are over capacity, the roads are full. Like you've got to, it; it's a holistic planning a plan that is that is required. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's right. Mate, let's let's move on a little bit. Um, look, I think so. So, bottom line, it, it's an interesting budget. It's a placeholder budget. It probably should have made a press release. Um, you know, we we did, we're going to do what we said we we're going to do. Uh, things are tough. We'll see you next next time. As you say, those forecasts from Treasury became the focal point almost because there was no other big news that became the news, which is not Chalmers' fault. It's not even wrong. It just, it just is, was what it was. There is another budget due in May uh, when we get back into regular budget cycles. Uh, stage three tax cuts will be back on the agenda. We're not going to talk about those today because we've done that well and truly enough. Um, you know my views, you know Andrew's views on that. Um, but it's it, it was the one thing they didn't address after flagging it. You know, they kind of put the flag up a couple of weeks ago and went, oops, no, nope, doesn't sound like that's a good idea. Let's not do that. Uh, I the deficit question more broadly though is which the last one I want to finish on with the budget is um, and again I've said this before but it bears repeating and uh, frankly until I'm blue in the face um, you can't continue to run massive budget deficits on an ongoing basis and expect the, the economy and the country to be able to continue to pay its bills to be a worthy creditor to be someone people want to lend money to um, if you're an MMT fan I don't want to hear from you uh, not that I don't love you, just uh, the whole thing is not a magic pudding as they would like to believe. Oh, that's going to make them mad. Um, <laughs> you, you can't keep running those sort of deficits. That you, you have to pay the piper, even under MMT, frankly, and I'm not going to get into it. Modern monetary theory for those who are wondering, someone pays the piper, right? So, it, it, you know, it, it's, there's, no, there's, no magic, there's no magic theory under which money becomes all of a sudden accessible without consequence. It just doesn't, it, by definition, it doesn't work. Money is a. So it's almost consequence. as if we need some kind of ultra hard money that's tamper proof. No, no, we don't need that. Uh, what, we, what we do need is what we do. Need, no, we need the ability to actually borrow and spend. That's what. That's the beauty of Keynesian economics. But, uh, but yeah, the the the, the pay the debt back thing uh, is is just it, it, you know, one, the cost of that debt is going through the roof right now. 
and we'll continue to do so. So that's the first thing. Second thing is when we want to go and borrow more money next time, someone's going to say, well, you've already got a lot of debt and you already mentioned, you know, um, there's issues around around the debt we have and how much we do or don't have and all that kind of stuff. That's important. So knowing knowing what that's going to cost is, is an issue. My firm, firm, firm belief is that we run the best country we can, including, by the way, not leaving our kids a basket case by having a structurally balanced budget over time. That's not totally balanced and it's not every year. It's structurally balanced. That means if you're going to make a bit of extra, spend a bit of extra money in the downtimes, you want to make that money back in the good times so that we have an even keel over time. Why? Because A, I don't want to leave debt for the kids. B, I want to be a good debtor as a country, not because I care about a reputation, though I do, but because we want to be able to access those markets next time, right? How much, how, how much money keeps, probably, the Yanks are probably fine because, you know, the dollar's a reserve currency. The Yanks are probably borrowed for a million years. At some point, uh, i.e. the UK, <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you screw this stuff up. When the market loses confidence in your ability to pay your debts, that's what happens. So... Uh, you know the the lack of, and this is not this is not the current government's fault solely. Uh, the last government came into power, we're talking about debt and deficit disasters, and then completely threw the rule book out, partly because of COVID, and partly fair enough. But they have no plan post that to pay the debt back. The Labor Party have come to power with no plan, not only, not only to pay the debt back, just to get it back in a balance, stop adding to the debt in the first place. I just find the whole thing really, really discouraging. It is a symptom of our of our politics, unfortunately. I think they can spend and spend and spend and not worry about paying it back. And I, for one don't want to leave that sort of mess to my kids. It, it's, it seems to me, again, I'm being cynical, but politically inevitable because when we're going through the good times, a mining boom, for example, we're just flush with cash. Mm. And, you know, I want to get reelected. Mm. Um, I, look, I look at the treasury. Wow, we're overflowing. Mm. Let's spend some money. Mm. Let's spend some cash. Like, why wouldn't I? Yep. Right, so I'm, I've got less. I don't really have much of an incentive to yeah, to correct. not spend it. In fact, I've got a massive incentive <laughs> yeah, to, to spend, spend it. it. Exactly. Right, and then we inevitably the mm. cycle changes, and then we're in a in a, in a tough time. Mm-hmm. And then politically, everyone say, "Well, do what you have to do because it's a crisis, mm-hmm. and we need we need to spend." And so you've got you've got yep. the political green light to go ahead and and, and do that. Correct. And and again, as you, to your point, you probably should during those times. It's just that it's not balanced out at, at the other side. So the, mm-hmm. the the you get a ratcheting effect. Where it just goes up and up and up and up and up, and 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 to your point, it it makes sense. Why would the interest rate go up under a scenario like that? Because people who are who are lending money to the government, i.e., people who are buying the sovereign bonds, aren't idiots, and and they are looking at the situation. And, and this is this is exactly what happened after with the UK gilts after the the trust uh, budget, because they thought, well, whoa, wait a second, this is this is really bad. You, you might be able to pay me back, but you'll be paying me back with with highly diluted pounds. <laughs> this is not good. Um, so, so in, the, in much the same way as if you looked at at, at, at lending money to two people, and mm, one was mm. very, very reliable, very productive, right, very exactly. trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Well, you would lend to them at a much lower interest rate than someone who's like a meth addict. Like you just you're going to. Um, apologies to our methodic listeners out there. No, no offense intended. <laughs> that's that's but, both but, groups now. The old people in the methodic. We don't have no listeners left <laughs> end of the end of the week. But you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. it's really. You, I think it, when you it's so easy to overcomplicate a lot of these high finance things, but it really just comes back to some very very basic kind of considerations. And so you make an excellent point. That's As always, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, yeah. I just uh, anyway. And look, you know, I said they left it by the last government. It is a bipartisan debacle because neither neither party has a plan for this. They've just simply forgotten that fiscal discipline matters, which is. Matters. But again, there's, it's it's a question of incentives. Let's say let's say that you any particular political party and you come say actually this is a mess. I'm going to fix it up. 
oh, by the way, there's less money for you and I'm going to tax you more. Mm. But don't mm. worry, it's mm. going to be really good for the country over the next 10 to 20 years. I mean, you're, you're gone. So, <laughs> yep. so I mean, I, I, I actually I have no idea how you solve that problem, but that's yep. that's kind of at the heart of the problem because we, we need an adult in the room to make some very, <laughs> we need some tough love. As a country, we need yeah. some tough love. And just as you, you know, I would love to be able to say to my kids, you know what, have, have sugar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And here you go, here's an iPad, just watch that all day, every day. They would love me. They would think I was fantastic. Is it good for them? No. <laughs> and and it's, yeah. that's, that's kind of the scenario we're in with, with yeah, just generally in politics, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, we also probably have to take some personal responsibility on that one too, mate. We need an adult in the room, but we also need to be adults ourselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. JFK is asked not what your country can do for you, kind of rings pretty, rings pretty true 60-odd years later. Hey, let, let's move on a little bit. Not too far, actually, but let's go to inflation because that was the poor old Treasury. The ink wasn't even dry on the budget papers uh, when the forecast of 7.75% as the maximum inflation uh, peak that the Treasury is expecting before it starts to fall again. They announced that on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening, 7.30, the, the budget papers were released to the public. Uh, by 11.30 the next morning, the ABS had said, actually, turns out September inflation was 7.3%. Now, that's not 7.75. Treasury are still in the game. There's still a chance. As they say, you're saying there's a chance. There's still a chance they could actually pull this one out. Maybe inflation peaks here and falls, or maybe they look like geniuses, or not. And uh, and there's a real there's a real risk that you know, as I said, less than 24 hours later, those those forecasts uh, they're, they're they're good forecasts by good people who are trying their best. Um, as we've said many many times, mate, forecasts and predictions are pretty much worth exactly what you pay for them, unless you're paying for them, in which case they're worth a whole lot less. Um, just because no one knows, right? It's just it, it's all it is what it is. Um, but it's, I just thought it was an interesting uh, juxtaposition. More importantly, um, CPI, the inflation numbers are terrible and, and and terrible in absolute black and white numbers, but terrible in terms of the impact they're having on the economy. Uh, we've talked before about this. Um, the, the, you know, it, it just it takes away purchasing power. You said, you know, it steals money out of your bank account. Effectively, that's exactly what it does do. Um, and makes everything more expensive. Right, exactly. Yep. It makes everything more expensive. All that, all that stuff is true. The central banks don't have a choice. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no third door, as I've said before. There's rates and inflation, and you can kind of choose the mix of those two. Uh, but if you, you know, there's, there's no. Oh no, let's just do the thing where neither of those things happens. It, it doesn't exist, right? We have to, we have to get through this one way or the other. Um, most you know, food inflation nine percent, housing construction ten and a half percent year on year. I think that was the highest of the numbers. They're all, they're all positive. They're all, uh, well, I say positive. They're all up. All po- you know, uh, increases. Um, so things are getting worse, mate. The quarterly number was 1.8%. If, if you want to be generous, you say you're waiting, well, is that something 7.2%? So maybe, you know, Treasury might just pull it out of the fire. And they might, by the way. Again, I'm not making predictions because the they didn't do it beforehand. And I don't think anyone should. Uh, it's crazy to imagine where it might finish. But it is. it was worse than the market thought. I think it's worse than the RBA probably thought. It's worse than what Treasury thought. Bad news, I think, is that that probably also means that rates are going to have to go up higher or for longer than what they were originally going to. I think on Tuesday, if you'd asked the RBA, they would have said, "Oh, whatever, whatever, whatever curve they might have drawn on their heads, they never released these things. Whatever they might have done on their heads, oh, it'd be roughly look like this." I got to say, by Wednesday morning, they went, "Okay, it's going to have to be a little bit higher than it was." Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, absolutely. A thirty-two year high, and 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 they they have this thing called the trimmed. Um, yeah. inflation measure, which gets rid of some of the more volatile items. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of those more volatile items are pretty important to your spending, <laughs> such as fuel and the yeah, rest of it. Right. But but they are volatile. So mm-hmm. they, they do kind of like to look at them without those mm-hmm. to, to sort of see through that. But what was interesting, even on the trimmed um, 
basis, it was 6.1%. So this is, this is very broad-based inflation. Um, the Aussie dollar, as we know, has come back a good 15% or so um, this year. So there's everything that we import is 15% more expensive. Um, yeah, that's the, we, that's the big one. You don't always see. You don't always see that kind of stuff. We, there, are, there are interest rate differentials as well. Mm-hmm. So there's what other countries are doing very much matter. So it's kind of like, yep. well, we don't live in America, but what yep. the Fed is doing is very impactful for us. Mm-hmm. And they're just mm-hmm. going at it hammer and tong. So they, the more that they go up, the more the differential is there, the more people are going to take money out here and, mm-hmm. and put it over there. There's all, these, there's all of these factors. And the bottom line is, it's just like, well, so what? Well, so what is your mortgage is going to get a lot more expensive yeah, is, yeah. is the so what. Well, also, and, the, the and, one and, is you're paying and, more. Sorry, yeah. just, just quickly on that. Not only is it getting expensive in, in sort of nominal terms, but in real terms, it's even more expensive because, yes. because of the, the inflation, you know. That's what I was going to uh, say. When you're paying both, that's the other thing. It's not, you know, so you, yeah. if, if you've got a mortgage and you actually are breathing, then you're paying higher prices at the shops and then you're paying more to the bank. Yeah, because those higher prices, it, it is a it is a brutally cruel system when it when it goes when it goes badly. The debt level itself is going down in real terms. Mm, true. There's one true. one silver lining of, of high inflation, so you're, you're eventually um, you're paying back. Uh, the debt is being sort of inflated with, away, with one exception, which is just that unless you're getting more wages as a result, then you're not really benefiting. From uh-huh. that. So it's you really need to think about debt in the context of the the take home pay, not the the price of lettuce or you know lumber. Yep. So it's 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 a problem, and and the, like the narrative started as uh, it's transitory. Mm. Oh, okay. It's it's not so transitory. Oh, it'll peak at a lower level. Mm. Oh, it'll turn. And it's just like every single point, um, it has been wrong so far. Mm-hmm. So maybe 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 a lot of this ends up being true. I mean, look, my thumb suck guess, and it's totally that is that we will we will see it roll over at some point. But I don't. I think the days of two to three percent inflation are long gone. For a whole bunch of structural reasons, so it's it's um it, and as you say, it's it's a really it's an intractable problem. I, I historically, if you want to look at historically, what how have we gotten out of this? Well, not easily is the question. The best scenario, I've said this before, mm. the best possible scenario is we have some productivity boom. Yes, maybe maybe that, that, AI that is, or yes. you yep. know something like that. Just it's, yep. it's like you know someone invents the the twenty first century twenty first century equivalent of the mm-hmm. steam engine. Mm-hmm. And then we just grow our way out of it. Yeah. So, in other words, we can deal with it because we're just we're producing so much more with what we've got. Yep. Um, but you know, that's that's kind of the only that's a, it's a bit of a hail mary, perhaps. It, it is, although it, it is the missing link of the last twenty years as well, and there, there's definitely a linkage between those two things. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's brutal, mate. It's brutal, and it's not going anytime soon. I think the yeah, I, there there is no there is no good outcome. Uh, and uh, back to the budget. That's why Jim Chalmers didn't add more you know, pressure to that inflation number because it would have just made things worse. Um, mm. But inflation is going to be with us for a while. Um, I would actually, so here, just for fun, I will I will disagree with you 100% on whether inflation gets back to between 2 and 3%. I will say mm. it absolutely will. And actually not because I think it will, speaking of predictions and forecasts before, um, but new normals are really new normals. And so I, I would I would just bet, like people who said inflation was dead and then it's not. And the people say, well, I won't go back to normal. I think it probably will. Uh, again, it could be entirely wrong. What kind of time, uh, what time like, frame are we talking? Oh, well, you said eventually. I if don't you know, say you 30 that. years, then then I'll probably agree with you. But. Oh, I would, say, I would say it'll be below 3% on a quarterly basis, easily within three years. Oh, sorry, five years, five years, five years. Five years three. Okay. Five years. Okay. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, yeah. uh, mate. Look, that's that's probably enough on inflation. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to the, the third horseman of the apocalypse. Uh, 
how many companies are there that haven't had a cyber attack in the last 24 hours? Because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of fingers to count the ones that have. Uh, we, no, I said 24 hours. I'm being, I'm being flippant. But we've had Optus. We've had Medibank. We've had Australian Clinical Labs. Uh, My Deal, which is the website owned by Woolworths. Um, it, it, it's... I'm I'm not a conspiracist, mate, but there's a lot of there's a lot of coincidence in a very short amount of time. To imagine there's no uh, the, the chance that someone someone somewhere is orchestrating this, I can't imagine is exactly zero. Uh, whether it, whether there's something or someone behind it or not, I don't know. Whether it's just dumb luck and a whole lot of kids who are bored and happen to have some time on their hands, I don't know either. Uh, but either way, I mean, look, it, it's it's a thing. I'm no cybersecurity expert, so I'm not going to try and weigh in on that necessarily. From an investing perspective, I don't. I, I, I kind of think it's one of those things you got to go. And it'll happen at some point to a company I own and the shares will probably fall, but what else do you do? Like I was thinking about, you know, Medibank, if you're a Medibank private shareholder, a week and a half ago, you weren't thinking, you know what, on my list on my list of the the, 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 the 10 biggest, 15, 20 biggest risks that might cause a 16% drop in my shares, one, one of the top 20 is, is the chance of a cyber attack. I mean, it's always possible. If someone said, could it possibly? Say, yeah, maybe it'll happen. Sure, maybe. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't have put it at the top of your list for my deal, for Medibank, for Optus, for Australian Clinical Labs. Maybe we should. But I'm also not sure what else you do as an investor. Maybe you wait till it happens and then you buy the shares. Maybe maybe, maybe the, the capitulation trade, maybe it's the, you know, they can't get much worse than that. Once Medibank's had a hack, I'll buy their shares. And I'll wait for someone else to be hacked and I'll buy their shares. And maybe, maybe that's how you, you trade this one. I don't know. Um, just thoughts on, on cyber attacks, thoughts on cybersecurity, thoughts on investing in, in that sort of world? Uh, well, they are a big deal. They're a very big deal. As um as we, we as we have seen, not just in the the impact it has to mm-hmm. to customers, mm-hmm. and and I, I think I'm a customer of most of those names that you mentioned. <laughs> so I am 100% having my identity stolen. Oh dear. Um, uh, so that's that's Page really P- the first. Page P A G. Mother's maiden name, date of birth. Rah rah rah. Um, uh, I I think there's a couple things. Firstly, risk builds slowly and it happens suddenly. Um, I think it's just it's something to really bear in mind. These things don't come out of this is this is stuff that has been brewing for a long, long, long time. And and it just be the the to properly protect your data requires a bit of vigilance, requires a bit of spend, requires a bit of focus. But no one's doing it because there's always five other burning platforms as as a management team that you have to sort of look at. And it's costing you money today for something that isn't a problem today or certainly not perceived as a problem today. So I absolutely see uh, why it's happened. You'd be surprised at the um, uh, the age and sophistication of some of the big IT systems that companies are using. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that, like, that probably makes it unhackable, right? Because they don't even connect to the internet anymore. It's like, I don't know how to get uh, it. Who, who, who can, you know, no, no hackers know how to, how to hack in C++, right? Or COBOL or something. Or basic. It's just like... It's legacy issues, right? Because yeah, these yeah. are big, big systems built up over decades, yeah, and the yeah. new thing. Okay, well, let's add this to it, and they sort of the, it, it 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 comes an absolute mess. Often, mm. the best thing is to do is just tear it all down and build it again. But no yeah. one's going to do that. That's that is a huge, complicated project mm. full of its own kind of problems. So, I, I we are, this is just the world that that we live in. I think there's probably needs to be some kind of policy response. Mm. Not that, not that I'm a person who thinks government can fix everything, far mm. from it. But I, I do think that a lot of these companies are collecting data because they, there are certain KYC, or know your client rules mm-hmm. and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to have a more mature look at what is absolutely necessary yeah, uh, for, for, a, for a company to keep. Um, and what, what it should keep after the fact, because a lot of this mm-hmm. data is for people who, are, who haven't been a customer for years and years and years. Yeah. And so 
I, I think that that is going to sort of add, a, we need to add a little bit of a, a stick um, uh, approach to it as well, sort of saying that actually, as a company, you need to you need to collect certain data just to do your business, but you don't need potentially as much as you've got, and you certainly don't need to keep it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard, but it's right? going to cost big, big, big bickies to to mediate. It really is. I, I find this difficult only in the sense that. Like like always, we look back at things and go, you know what they should have done back then? They should have done this thing. And right now there's a thing being done, whatever that thing is, that's going to hurt us in six or 12 months' time. It's probably not the last thing because it's, it's really, you know, again, generals fighting the last war, right? <laughs> By the time yeah. you've got your defences ready for the last thing that happened, the next thing is the thing that surprises you because it actually doesn't, you know. And I wonder, I wonder how much protection we need to make over the last thing versus the next thing and how to, how to think that through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and frankly, the, the crises could have been different, right? I imagine there's a, there's a different crisis where Optus is taken to court by the ACCC or APRA or somebody and says, you prove to me that you did your know your client checks properly. I oh, know we deleted all that information. You deleted that information, how can you possibly do your job? Haven't you seen what happened with the casinos? You should be keeping all this information so I can, you know. And I, I, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Uh, but I but I do think we, and this is not about you at all or, or me or whatever, but we all respond to the last thing and say, the last thing could have been prevented if this hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, again, in a different circumstance, we're saying they should keep more information because that way they can prove they've got the information. If they can't prove it, how can you possibly say you're doing this stuff? Um, again, I, I don't know the answer. I'm not suggesting. Maybe I'm being uh, devil's advocate just because I can or just because it's, it's fun. But um, it just does strike me that we we all look at the very last thing and say, you shouldn't be doing that thing uh, when, when, you know, the next problem is likely to be different or the last problem could have been entirely different issue on the same data set in this case um, mm. and we would have said well you should have something different then so yeah otherwise this thing wouldn't have happened how do you do both I think you're right about the the mature conversation <laughs> it's a common theme across this podcast uh, ironically speaking speaking of you and I but uh, you know about, about <laughs> the, the sort of rules that we should be having and what should be kept in place and, and how we should do those sort of jobs to make sure we're all in, in, in good places um, I do wonder the other thing is you know the government's increased the fine of 50 million dollars people get companies get hacked and I guess you've got to because the government. So you've got to be shown to be seen to be doing something. So the opposition can't say, you're not doing anything about this. You don't care about the Australian consumer. And they'll do it to each other. It's not a party political view. Just, you know, ch- change, change the label on the back of their jackets and the same thing happens, right? The same, yeah. same words come out of their mouths. Um, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's probably justified. It's probably okay. Medibank Private lost $1.8 billion in market cap. So can I tell you, they don't really give us stuff about the $50 million fine either way. It's kind of insult to injury, right? But that's not where the issue is. Uh, and frankly, I'd imagine they'll lose more than $50 million in profit between you know the, the remediation work, the, 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 you know, the God, God knows how many thousand cybersecurity experts they're going to have in that business. They're going to be holding new office buildings at Medibank where they you know, house thousands of these people to try and make sure nothing happens next time. All that stuff's kind of going on. I, you know... I, Fifty million dollar fine, sure. And I think look, if they if they if they were abjectly negligent, I get it. I think we've talked about this before. Um, but I don't I don't reckon anyone many banks are going. Should we fix that? No, no one's ever going to find that. You know, they're going. Have we done all the work? Yes, we've done all the work. CIO, the chief chief no, investment officer, chief information officer says, yep, or technology officer, we've done all this stuff. Yes, we've te- done the tests. We've invited, we've had this consulting firm, that consulting firm. They've done the work. Yes, yes, we're complete. As far as we can tell, we're fine. And you get hacked. And it's like, well, I don't know. It, it, that's what I mean about the investing thing, mate. I. I'm, I'm almost just trying to wonder whether this is just the new normal. Like, is this just, you know, almost by definition, it's like wars themselves. You're looking for, you're probing for a hole in the lines somewhere. And no general leaves a hole in the lines deliberately. They do their level best with the resources they've got to make sure everything's okay. I don't know. What, it, should they do anything differently? Do they? Can they? Well, 
there's no silver bullet. There's no, there's no, I think every, I'm not a systems engineer, but um, I have heard it said that every system is, is, is potentially hackable. What's kind of that? Almost by definition, right? Yeah. 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 So, so, but, but there's a huge spectrum there. You know, like in the case of Optus, we just left an API public uh, access point open. Yeah. Like that, that, that wasn't, that's, um, I'm trying to think of the thing. What's it called? Hanlon's razor. Never attribute to malice. That would be yeah. adequately explained by stupidity. <laughs> you know, that's almost the things like that. It, to your point, this is going to happen. Like I, I don't know what else. You so, but 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 there's a, there is a spectrum. So there is yeah. there is there is a big difference between someone who has looked at it, taken it seriously, and taken yes. a lot of uh, uh, steps to to mitigate that as much as possible. Versus yes. someone who's like, eh, we kind of give yeah, a brief look. Right. How yeah. do you tell that from to your original point? How do you tell that from the outside as an yes. investor? I don't know. This is the silver lining of all of the stuff that's happening is I can bet every corporate in the country is very is like they're having meetings right now saying <laughs> right. they don't they're nothing else that's right. Wars are going out of stock on the shelves because they're worried about the website exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's also the, I mean I guess uh, there's this is this is one of the things we very rationally want mm. to do as investors is we want to try and eliminate all the risk and I think one of the very bitter pills that we all have to swallow <laughs> is it's impossible. Yeah, you can't. I mean you you are. First principles here, investing is making a bet on the future Mm -hmm. and you can't know the future and you can't know... I mean, there's things that you know that you don't know and the things that you don't know that you don't know and all that. Now, you're channeling Donald Rumsfeld. Kind of stuff. (laughs) So it's just, it will always be the case. No matter how smart, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much due diligence you have done, you know, there will always be the quote unquote black swan kind of event that that, that can come out and wipe you out. So- What do you do to your point? I think what you do is you accept it as an inevitable reality mm. um, and you structure yourself in a way that you just, I mean, this is why you don't have all your eggs in one basket, no matter how attractive that basket is. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> There's some really simple things you can do, just like uh, concepts that are as old as time that, that will at least mitigate that. So when something comes out of left field, it's like, that really sucks, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. but, all, but, but, I'm, but, you know, I'm okay. And, and also being... Uh, forgiving of yourself. I was speaking to a friend mm. the other day who, I don't know if anyone follows Kodan. Um, they had a mm. really shocker of a day yesterday. Okay. They sell metal detectors and, and Sedan is a basket case at the moment uh. and the big part of their sales go there. So just really very fluid situation, changed rapidly. And so all of a sudden their sales have just plummeted in, in that region. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I should have known. I should have been able to see. <laughs> it's like, dude, you could, you could never yeah. have seen that. Like yeah. just accept... There are when when I'm looking at at times I have lost money in a particular investment, and believe you me, there's plenty of those things. <laughs> yeah. There are those that I can, with objective hindsight, say that was a mistake. I didn't do this. I didn't look at that. Mm. But also, and this isn't just to, trying to protect the ego. There are there are actually a lot of situations where it's like, well, actually, I, I couldn't have seen that. It comes into that category of the unknown, unknown. It was mm-hmm. like, did it happen? Yes. Did it suck? Yes. Could have I re- reasonably foreseen that and taken action against that? Actually, no, yeah. not really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah, seems yeah. obvious in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. But but you know, you 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 couldn't you couldn't, and and that's. I think when those kinds of things happen, that's where you kind of you need to recognize what what has happened, whether it was as a mistake, whatever your initial th- thinking was, whatever your loss is, actually doesn't really matter. The question is, well, what do I do from here? Um, and and try to frame it in that way. I, I listened to a really great podcast the other day with uh, Stanley Druckermiller, who I mentioned before, is mm. probably one of the greatest investors of all time. Thirty year history, incredible double digit returns. Never had a down year. Never had a down year, which is just phenomenal. Mm. 
And uh, his key, when he, one of the one of the many um, strengths I think he has an, as an investor is that ability to detach the emotion. Mm-hmm. And this is a theme that you'll see. And no matter name, insert your preferred famous investor here. And they all have different styles. They all have different sort of nuggets of wisdom. But one thing that I think is common across all of them is that that ability to to remove that emotion and to act objectively. And I think this is just a good example of, of all of that. It'll happen to you at some stage, whether it's through a cyber attack or something else, dust yourself off. Okay, that sucked. Move on. It, the, the, the wrong lesson that too many people take, particularly who are new to it, mm. they experience something like this and they go, oh, I knew it's all rigged. It sucks. I'm never doing that again. Mm. And then they, then they don't invest, <laughs> thinking that it has to be a game of very high strike rates to do well, which, which as we, we both know, it's, it's not the case. Six out of 10 in this game, in the strike rate, you can do extraordinarily well. Very, very good advice. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, I want to I do something very, very different. I... I'm I'm always mindful of being careful to not be too um, I, I don't know I don't, I don't become a cliche of myself I don't I don't become a caricature of myself uh, but let's go back and talk about coal companies one more time I won't I won't say one last time because we'll be back here but one one more time and I'm also mindful I'm going to be critical and I just want to be you know again I have a view I've expressed a view on that sort of stuff and you know I might be right I might be wrong Whitehaven Coal has had an extraordinary run. I'm pretty sure we talked about this before in different in different ways, shapes, and forms. The shares have just it's phenomenally good, phenomenally good. Um, this is a company that I'm looking back at the numbers now. In 2020, September 2020, the shares were 90 cents. At the time of recording, they are now nine dollars fifty. That's a tenfold 10X. gain in less or just just over two years. Man, you know, for all of the coal's dead, the environment's changing, renewables of the future. Uh, if you'd ignore that, well, Whitehaven shares, you've done remarkably well. I haven't. I didn't. But it has done remarkably, remarkably well. Two things during the during the week. Whitehaven's paying its CEO more than it otherwise would. And it actually says, we're doing this because no one wants to work here. We are, we are non-ESG. We are, you know, cool kids don't want to work here. We've got to pay more to get people to come and work for us because, you know, it's not the sort of like, if you Google... You can pay people peanuts and they will kill each other to work there. Whitehaven, you know, <laughs> you've almost got to knock them down, drag them out, you know, chain gang style. Um, literally Shanghai and we put them on the boat and sail off into the distance. Um, so they're saying they are paying more to their the executives because they just simply have to, to get good quality people who otherwise could work somewhere else and feel, frankly, well, <laughs> less guilty, I suppose, is what they're admitting, even if they're not saying it. The other thing they announced during the week is they're going to do a share buyback. Now, I don't know about you, mate. I do know about you, actually, but I'm going to let, let, mm-hmm. let me continue with the fiction. I don't know about you, but if my share price is at or near an all-time high, it's come back a little bit, by the way, it actually topped out at $10.80. No, $10.96, almost 11 bucks. Uh, only a few weeks ago. Uh, shares are up tenfold. They're almost at effectively record highs. Call it close enough. The coal price out of the port of Newcastle, it is a record high. And the company's saying, you know what? The best use of our cash is to buy our own shares. Now, I have a view. <laughs> and look, I think, here's the thing. It's always hard to make these decisions because you don't know what happens in the future, right? If White Haven Coal shares are $100 a share in five years' time, what I'm about to say makes me look like the biggest idiot in the world. If they're 90 cents, I look like an absolute genius, and we can't know for sure. 
And we shouldn't, I say all-time highs, the chart, you know, you shouldn't use charts for this stuff. You know, Berkshire Hathaway shares have been at all-time highs. Amazon shares have been at all-time highs. I own them both those two businesses for long periods of time. And what did they do? They went higher. So I want to be careful about saying all-time highs are bad. And we've said, you and I have said before, buying after shares have gone up is sometimes the hardest but best thing to do. Mm. But this is a cyclical commodity uh, where everything is at the top of its range. And if you've got cyclical things at the top of their range, cycles being cycles, I'm going to spec. I'm. I'm. Let, let me. Let me put my neck on the line here. I think buying back Whitehaven shares at nine dollars fifty is suboptimal, courageous, as they would say in Yes Minister. Uh, I think it is a dumb, dumb, dumb thing to do because maybe they're right, and maybe they lost some, lost some, lost some value. But we've talked so much about investing being a probability-based game, probabilistically. If you've got an all-time high on the coal price, an all-time high on the share price, and you're in a cyclical industry, there's a very good chance if you buy back shares now, you're going to be massively overpaying. Or am I completely wrong? You're not, you're not wrong based on the, the, the way you've laid it out. And, and as you say, it, it depends. Um, I'll play <laughs> devil's does. advocate. Yeah, just, please. Just to play devil's advocate. Um, yeah. So... You know, if you look at their history of, of earnings, you know, they've actually had quite a few years of loss in there. There hasn't been a consistent march upwards. It's sort of just sort of, yeah, okay, but nothing nothing mind-blowing. Mm. 2022, per share earnings, $1.95, just well above what they'd ever done over the last 10 years, and that's as far back as the data on my screen goes at this point in time. <laughs> then I look at the forecast. So these are forecasts, so mm. take them with a grain of salt. But the analysts that cover it, are saying that it should be close enough to four dollars per share in twenty twenty three. Now shares are trading at nine dollars eighty six. Mm. So on a forward basis, <laughs> based on FY twenty twenty three, the PE is two. Yeah. So the argument could go here is like, what are you talking about, Scott? These aren't expensive <laughs> shares. These are super, super, super cheap. Yeah. yeah. However, and they could be, and they could be. They now, now also just like it turns out that on on the <laughs> Figures I'm looking at, and again, this is just based on a, on a consensus view of the analysts that happen to cover it, and analysts are, are humans and are often wrong, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but they, they're saying, well, in FY24, that's going to halve. That goes from $4 down to $2 mm. and then down to $1.64 in 2025. Mm. So they are at least recognizing that this is a cyclical peak. So an incredible couple of years of super profits and then things will start to moderate back to, well, they'll probably mean revert might be a, a good term to sort of use there. Mean revert, mean, mean being average, revert being go back to. So simply things tend to go back to their average. It tends time. to be the way for certain for certain types of metrics. P yep. is a good one. I like yep. that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, the the even under that, even if I go, well, okay, I'm going to take FY25's forecast of $1.64 mm. at face value. Mm. Uh, and I quickly plug onto my calculator. It's still a PE of six. So, mm, yeah, so yeah. where you're potentially wrong, and this yep. is assuming the analysts are right, et cetera, yep, et cetera, yep. is that perhaps it is kind of cheap. Mm. Um, so I guess I guess that is that is that is the bet here. Um, one of the, they weren't buying shares back at ninety cents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, I, and and it should have been in theory equally as cheap, unless they say, but we couldn't have told the future. In which case, I'll say yes. Yes, exactly. That yes. that's the bit that you know. It's if you if you buy back the whole way along because you were so sure this was a great business and great shares, you know, and, and it was going to be even worth even more. They should have been. They should have mortgaged the entire thing to buy back shares at ninety cents. I mean, they got it with a tenfold gain. If if the future was that bright and that attractive, they shouldn't have been doing it then too, right? You're right. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's the point here. So, so like mm. it might be that FY twenty twenty five, you know, someone's just cracked <laughs> cold fusion, yeah. and there's a suitcase that you can put a glass of water in that powers Sydney for ten hundred years. You know, so. Mm. Who knows what it be? And in which case, they're, they're probably zero at that point. And this is the most ridiculous just, thing that's ever happened. Just so we're clear, did you say 10 hundred years? It's a thousand, if you, if you yeah, prefer. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did say 10 hundred yeah. years. Um, uh, so uh, the other thing I would say, just as a separate point, <laughs> is that it's always predicated on this notion that we are returning funds to shareholders. And it's a small bugbear of mine, but it's a bugbear nonetheless. <laughs> the only money you're returning to shareholders are those that participate in the buyback. Yeah. Everyone else is, it ostensibly gets ex- extra value because there's it's the opposite of dilution. It's a concentration of shares. So mm-hmm. you've got a greater ownership, but no capital has been returned to you. Let's just be clear on that. Mm. If you really want to put money into my pockets, you could do that via a dividend. Mm. Now, they may be looking at their franking balance and go, well, we just don't have enough to do it. Mm. So we can only issue unfranked dividends. Frankly, there are worse there are worse um, mm. punishments in the world than getting a huge dividend, even if it happens to be unfranked. That, <laughs> That's right. that might be a more uh, another way of, of distributing right? these super That's, profits. I just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, mate. Given those choices, right? And if, and if you if you are so sure the business is worth money, say to people, hey, guess what? We're going to give you a massive dividend. And by the way, for this dividend, we'll have a DRP, a dividend reinvestment plan, and you can get a 10% discount on the share price. But if you want, yeah, there you if, go. If you really want to make that point, Best right, of can, both worlds. there's a million ways you can do it. Now, I mean, the discount is again it's a bit of funny money because the re- the per- the people get you know the, the non participants get diluted by the people who participate. But in any case, you mm-hmm. could do it should you choose to. Should you try and make some way of saying, you know what, here's the money. But um, and I think this is the this is the real challenge is these companies got way too much cash right now. Yeah, New Hope, by the way, in the same in the same basket, owned by Sol Pats. I own shares of Sol Pats. Um, I don't own New Hope directly. Uh, and and people are saying, gee, those coal miners are cheap. And it's kind of like they're cheap if they use this cash, they're getting really, really well. These are windfall profits and you can choose to do a whole lot of stuff. If you go and dig more coal mines or, or buy more coal mines or you know coal mining sites, you are betting that the future of coal remains bright. If you are you know buying other businesses, you are hoping those businesses diversify your, your earnings or add to your earnings over time. If you buy your shares back, if you pay, these all have absolute consequences. And to believe, I will say, uh, probably um, against you know reasonable belief that you can actually do that and make some money. I don't know, mate. It's, I just it just strikes me that if you weren't buying back the shares already, you got the cash fine, but you got the cash because the burnings are unusually and uh, whatever high. By the way, if they're right, these things to your point, this is this is a scream. We all should be buying now. Mm. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? No one's buying ninety cents. Everyone's buying ten dollars. But it's also, I don't know, when, when everyone gets that excited about something, the little, the little contrarian in me says, we've been here before, graphene, lithium, afterpay, you know, choose your, choose your preferred hype area. I, again, if I was a betting man, I'll look, put, put it this way, I'm not buying coal shares right now and I'd be very, very, very happy if uh, Solpats, for example, decided to find a buyer for its new hope stake while the price was, was, was pretty high. I think that that's, would strike me as the best use for the capital. But I'm no coal miner. So what do I know? Yeah, it, it, it's it's just a, it's a super. It's look, I I never say never, um, but yes. I, I just a general rule. I I I don't go in this space. It tends mm. to like really frustrate people who love going in this space. But I mean, you know, we all we all got to play our own game here. Yeah. And I guess part of the part of the reason. So I've got no problem with people doing. I know some. I've mentioned before some really smart investors who've done really well in this space. So you do you. Is I guess what I'm saying. Please don't send me any <laughs> nasty emails. <laughs> But I guess one of the things I'm mindful of is just the 
diabolical difficulty of forecasting not only commodity prices, but what what management and boards will do with, with excess cash when they have it. Um, it's just very tricky. And generally speaking, you have to take that excess money and plow it into developing another mine because right, each day your yep. mine gets less valuable because you're digging yep. stuff out of it. So you've got to be replaced at some point. Developing mines are very, very, very expensive mm-hmm. with very long payback periods. And that's fine. That's just the nature of the business. But mm-hmm. but it's also a very uncertain business because it usually costs more to build and develop than you think. There's often all kinds of environmental and other kinds of problems along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're ready and you're finally digging stuff out of the ground, the commodity scenario has radically changed, <laughs> yeah. in which case the initial economics you predicated on could be completely different could be completely worse maybe completely better but it's just it's just it's just i'm just i'm hyper aware of that so mm-hmm. yeah um i'm i'm gonna be watch with great curiosity from the sidelines <laughs> i think it's i think that's very wise i think that that point about what you do with the money is just really really important right like you, you're getting this you're getting this windfall profits and you can do anything you want with the cash Returning it to shareholders, I think, makes some sense in terms of, hey, we've gone so we've done really well. We we can't find ways to use this money. Here here it is back. Um, again, if they're right, if these shares are cheap, then this will be absolutely a great time to buy the shares. If hundred bucks in ten years' time, I look like an idiot, and that's <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. So let's let's uh, let's assume that that's possible. Um, but I but I just if you if you are in an industry like this where there is an uncertain future. And you have the opportunity to do anything else other than doubling down. Because that's what buying back shares just doubles down the, the existing holds. Right? It basically says, hey, you still own your shares, great. You now own a bit more of the same business with whatever the future of that business looks like. And if you love the business and you love the current share price, then sure. But if you're saying, look, I bought shares at Whitehaven Coal, I'm really stoked, I've made a lot of money. And I say, you're buying shares now? No, I'm not. Why not? Well, because mm. the value's not obviously there. Either you're wrong and the company's right, which is absolutely possible, or um, or it's not, <laughs> and that's one of the that's one of the big that's one of the big challenges. I think I am I'm going to say no. Just a quick one, mate, from you on the salary thing. Do you buy the we've got to pay them more because no one wants to work here? It's a you know uh, we, we've got to pay. I, I will say blood money. I'll say that with uh, tongue in cheek because blood money is obviously different in a, in different areas, but it does feel very much like that kind of you know I'd have to pay you X dollars to work anywhere else, but I've got to pay you X plus something because you got to sleep at night. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, look, they're, there is definitely some truth to it, you know. Um, you see the same in the public service to say, well, we need to pay this person this much money because otherwise yeah. they'll just go to the private sector and yeah. we won't have yeah. any talent. So there's there's always a modicum of truth to it. So it's mm-hmm. it's not that the general concept is flawed. It's a question of degrees, mm. and that's a much more difficult one. So the only way you would really know is via the counterfactual and say, actually, we're not going to give you a pay rise mm-hmm. and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go? You know, we all like to sort of say, oh, well, I could get yeah. so much more money here. It's like, I've, I've seen it happen in, in other institutions. Like, all right. Mm-hmm. See you later, sunshine. <laughs> like, oh, well, I, you I, caught I, my I, bluff. <laughs> I've had a couple of experiences. The job I worked for just before joining The Fool was a business that isn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't one of the most highly regarded food businesses. It was, it was a, not, don't do anything dodgy at all. Not, not even slightly. Just it was a big old slow business. And there was a, you know, I won't say a war for talent, but it was pretty, you know. And so they were paying over the odds. And I actually left the current job I was then doing to join this company because they were offering meaningfully more for the same job. I was like, well, I'm not stupid. If you want to pay me more, they'll take it, sure. Um, turns out that uh, I wasn't there four months later because I joined the Motley Fool, not the company's fault. But I certainly had been part of that experience. I also had a mate who was at one point entertaining a, a, an offer from a cigarette company to go work for them. Moving out of, again, FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods or just food and beverages, basically, um, into that. And it was like the, the money they were offering was spectacularly good. 
And it literally was that question of, if I do my job really, really well, maybe more people don't have lung cancer. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to make this deal with the devil, um, you know, there is a... Um, uh, you know, famous old Kerry Packer quote that I won't say in full because he uses some colourful language. Uh, but Packer basically says, "Well, there's a bit of that in all of us, gentlemen. Name your price." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, his his point. Well, that's it, right? I mean, we all m- morals and ethics matter until the money gets flashed, and then at some point, everyone's got a point at which you say, "All right, fine." Okay, okay, sure. I, I can then start justifying that to myself, um, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously, uh, because the money gets me across the line. It's better It's better that I work there because I can steer them in positive ways. <laughs> and I'll yes. take the money that I get to put to good use to help with my community and rah, rah, rah. I, I, will, yep. I mean, no, yep. no yep. one, no one yep. thinks they're evil, right? Yep. So I'm sure plenty of people in the Nazi party who thought they were doing really good things. You know, it just, it's, it, you... <laughs> Um, and the, the, don't ever underestimate the human capacity to rationalize things to yep. always make yourself the hero of the story. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And it's, I, 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 I actually really get it. I mean, it's very mm. easy to sit on the sidelines and go, oh, I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. you go, okay, here's a Until, million dollars yeah. a year. No, I'm, I'm too principled. Two million. Yep. No. Three million. <laughs> mm. Four million. Know, you know, yeah. yeah, like we, we can go all day. And the, the point is, it's not, it's, you know, I guess you, yeah. you could argue where that point lies, but there is a point. Yes. Yes. And Can I just you, say, yeah, please. oh, sorry, no, please finish the thought. I was gonna say, as soon as you admit there's a point, then it really puts the conversation in the right light. Because then, it, then it's just a question of how much, rather than is stop being a yes no principle, and it's just a how much how much money do you need to subvert that principle? There really isn't a principle, but a preference at that point um, to do what you need to do. And and you know, how much is it? it, it I'm often fascinated by how how little people. Um, maybe it's a, a, a function of their dire circumstances, but when you risk jail for a hundred dollars, I'm like, uh, you're risking jail for a hundred million dollars. I'm like, oh, now there's a conversation, you know. And I'm not yeah. gonna, I will say I'm not gonna do it. Maybe I would, I don't know. But you know, it's like <laughs> I, people go to jail for small amounts. Like, oh, that was a that was a that was a terrible bet, right? Yep. But so well, if I can, you know, <laughs> make it worthwhile, make well, make the literally, risk worthwhile. Right? If we're gonna spend yeah. three years in jail, I want to at least have done something, you know, a chance at something meaningful. Well, um, even at, even at the bigger figures, yeah. it doesn't. If I'm if and this is where a lot of you see these sort of white collar criminals so-called yeah. where like i might already be worth a hundred million dollars and i'm going to take a risk to win five million more it's like uh, man you're already you're already loaded uh, like what what it, where is the inside you know, of trading mate the, 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 you know ten twenty thousand dollars profit like it's a lot of money but man like for six to a month three years in jail Mm-mm. you've got to be kid like it's just, the roi that's awful it's terrible <laughs> but man, humans humans like, we're selfish yes. we're greedy there's all we those are. things i just want to just are. on whitehaven um because mm. i brought up their recent quarterly september oh, cool. quarter in the quarter, so is it, again, just to spell it out, that's three <laughs> months. They generated $1.55 billion of it cash. It is astonishing, isn't it? The net cash position as of September 30 was $1.93 billion. Yeah. This is a company that the market values, I think, about $8 billion or, or something. Mm-hmm. Or so it's basically mm-hmm. close enough to a quarter, yep. maybe 20% of, yep. of their entire value is just in net cash there as well. <laughs> it's like, amazing. Well, until they buy their shares back, that's the other thing, right? Like. What else could yeah. they've done with the with the with the cash? Uh, they're buying back their own shares. Yep, yep. Interesting. <sighs> yes, it is. It is. I don't know what to um, what to think, mate. Um, speaking of that, will you come back on Sunday? We do more thinking. I always look forward to the uh, mailbag episode. So yes, I absolutely will. Me too. I look forward to it. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.